Hey guys, good to see you. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I uh, was in the back and the Lord gave me a word I want to share with you. Um, I think this is a word for today because last night he didn't give me this word. And it's Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. So when you wake up at 3.33 a.m., you can think about this verse. Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Isn't that beautiful? God wants you to call to him and he will tell you great and mighty things that you do not know. And I love it. That there's this place of restoration in this because uh, he's talking to Israel, but I, I know he could, this is for a word for us to, as well. It says, behold, I will bring to it, I will bring to you health and healing. And I will heal them and I will reveal to them an abundance of peace and truth. That beautiful, that's your God. God loves you. You're at church, you're in the right place. Some of you are batting 1,000. You've been at church every single weekend, all 2023. So way to go, way to go. God, thank you for your grace and thank you for your love. And we uh, humble ourselves before you. Would you just continue to have your way here? I know your presence already here is here, Lord, and I thank you for the good souls that you brought to church. I recognize you're the one who has put it in their hearts to get out of bed and uh, brush their teeth and put on some clothes and come to church. That's all you, Lord. And and we just uh, we just want to say together, we need you, Lord. We need you, God. There's uh, there's nothing that will satisfy us like like you, Lord. So um, would you? Have your way in our hearts, Lord. Have your way in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn to someone and just tell them 354 days till Christmas. Can you do that? Thank you, guys. You can have a seat. You can have a seat. Appreciate you guys. Wow, it's good to be at church. Can I give you, uh, Zach, can I give you a mic here? Thank you. Well, I'm expecting God to move. God moved in a really special way last night, and, and I know uh, he's going to move again. Anybody have a good night of rest? Anybody have a good night of rest? I was thinking the other day, wouldn't it be cool, like, if you had a good night of rest, you can give, like, one of your hours to someone else. Like, just touch them and say, here, I, I had a really good night. I'm going to give you one of my hours. And, and uh, you're like, oh, wow, that was great. Wouldn't that be cool if you can do something like that? I think of stuff like that. Those are businesses that are running in my head that I think I could start. When another one is like, I pee for you. Like I can go to the bathroom for you. Wouldn't that be a cool business? I probably just need to preach, don't I, guys? I need to preach. That's what it is. Uh, I'm uh, my, my my little laptop thing here is not working. Here, here it goes. Um, I was watching Monday Night Football last night, or not last night, but on Monday night. And uh, I saw that accident with DeMar Hanlon. Did anybody see that? Um, and uh, I thought, wow, what's the, the, big, uh, the big rush thing over here? Jeremy, do you mind getting me a, just a Kleenex or something? I forgot a Kleenex. Gonna, um, <clears throat> oh, I thought, <laughs> that's fine, brother. Thank you. And I, I was watching it. And uh, thank you, brother. Are you able to read for me, Timmy, as well? Okay, thanks. <sighs> I might be able to read. I'll see how I do, Jeremy. Um, um, I, was, uh, I was watching it and watching the guy go down, and 
was following it a little bit, and it was a horrible, you know, just a fluke thing, and, you know, cardiac arrest in the field, and, and uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I thought about all the love that was sent towards him, and, and uh, people at the hospital, you know, and, and just loving on him, and, and just all that stuff, and then I thought, you know, we don't even know the guy, but there's this empathy we have, and I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. I think, I think it's good. The team was there praying. I think that's a wonderful thing, you know, crying out to God's always good. But I thought about our relationships and related to this. And I thought about, um, you know, sometimes it's easier for us to show love on people that we don't know. You know, sometimes it's easier to love people that we don't have history with. You know, it's a lot easier sometimes to love uh, someone like a situation like this, uh, Damar Hamlin, or it's easier to go love on someone who is on the other side of the ocean. You know, you travel a thousand miles, two thousand miles, and you go do a mission trip and you love on people, and then you don't see them again. Or maybe it's loving that stranger that you're with and you're riding on the bus with or subway or whatever it is, and and you just show some kindness to them and. And, and, and you love them and you only know them, you only meet them for a little bit and you show them this love and kindness. I guess where I'm going at with this is it's harder, I think, to love people that know you, that, that you have history with, that, that you have uh, uh, joy, but you also have hurt and pain experiences with. And sometimes those relationships are more difficult. Sometimes it's more difficult to show kindness to the person that lives under my own roof that I see every day or, or the person that I work with that I, 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 you know, just right next to me or person I go to school with or whatever, or the family member that I did not choose. Sometimes it's hard to show love like that. Does that make sense? It's just, and I don't know about you, but it's always easier. I think when you meet a stranger, you get to have any kind of image you want. You can manage any kind of image you want, and you have that short 30-second or whatever experience, and, and you can show them whoever you want to show them, and they don't really know who you are, but you can come across any way you want, and, and you can come you know, smiling, and you know, just like, oh, wow, that person's an amazing, and, you know, we can do that, because we, um, we, we, can, we can manage ourselves, um, but when I, I, I think about relationships, I think some relationships are difficult, some relationships, and you need to know, God cares about the way you manage relationships. It matters to God. In fact, um, Jesus made it really clear. He was asked, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, he says, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I think, I think that makes sense, right? And Jesus is saying, you gotta love God with, with everything. Love God with everything. And then he says, and the second is like it. And let's read it out loud together, guys. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. There we go. Here we go. Okay, let's read it again. Love your neighbor as yourself. So I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, you know what? Can we just go with the first commandment and not the second one? You know what I mean? Have you ever been in those, those relationships? It's like, can we just do that? You know, as some people, I know some of you just don't like people. I know that. Your goal is to work alone at the house, in the living room, and you don't want to see people, and life is great, and you'll love God. You know what I mean? There's some people like that. There's some people, you know who you are. I'm glad you're at church. Um, I, I think part of that is uh, we're challenged. You know, what happens when you come across someone that just rubs you the wrong way? Have you ever responded to them or said something to them, and it comes out of you, and what comes out of you, you don't like 
And you're like, why did I say that? I, I don't. Why am I? I don't like what's coming out of me. And why they have a way of drawing out what I don't want to be drawn out. You know what I mean? They have a way just because of the way we don't really. We're not together. So this. I mean, it's just. It can be hard. And I want you to know the Bible talks a lot about this idea of of, of loving God and what that looks like, and what it looks like to love people. I mean, that's what scripture is about. I mean, God over and over. And, and if you think about it, it makes sense because we have our God who's a holy God who loves us. Isn't that beautiful? We have a God who's creator of the universe. He loves you. He sees you. He knows you. And he, he loves humanity. He loves humanity. I mean, that's the cross. The cross is evidence that something needed to be fixed. The cross is evidence that there was a God of justice and... There not was, there is a God of justice and is a God of mercy. That's the cross. If justice didn't need to happen, why was there a cross? Um, <coughs> and just still lingering a little bit. I'm sorry, guys. Um, so when I, look at, uh, when I look at the cross, and the beam even is like this, right? Relationship with God and relationship with people. So it matters to God. I want you to think about the year uh, 2020. Three, 2023. Um, <clears throat> will you be a better lover of people in 2023? Will you have more grace, more mercy? You know, there's this formula that God uses with us. And his expectation is that we love people as he has loved us. That we show grace as he has shown grace to us. That we forgive as he has forgiven us. So there's this, there's this uh, expectation. It's not just free, here, take it, and then there's no expectation. The expectation God has for you is that you show people mercy and grace and love and kindness and mercy and compassion, all those things, just as he has forgiven you. And today I want to talk about a relationship involving brothers of Joseph. And they... Uh, they, uh, I mean, there's a lot of examples in the Bible of uh, dysfunctional families, and I'm grateful there's a lot of examples like that in the Bible. And the, the one we talked about last week was uh, involving Joseph, but I want to drill down to the relationship of uh, Joseph and his brothers. So come on up here, Jeremy, would you mind help me out? Um, we're going we're gonna to start here at, uh, at uh, Genesis chapter 42, um, verse 6, and he's going to help me out reading. Um, as he reads this, just I want to encourage you to to tune in, this is a picture of the relationship Joseph had with his brothers. Since Joseph was governor of all Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. When they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph recognized his brothers instantly, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where are you from, he demanded. From the land of Canaan, they replied. We have come to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him, and he remembered the dreams he'd had about them many years before. He said to them, you are spies. You have come to see how vulnerable our land has become. No, my lord, they exclaimed. Your servants have simply come to buy food. We are all brothers, members of the same family. We are honest men, sir. We are not spies. Yes, you are, Joseph insisted. You have come to see how vulnerable our land has become. Sir, they said, there are actually 12 of us. 
We, your servants, are all brothers, sons of a man living in the land of Canaan. Our youngest brother is back there with our father right now, and one of our brothers is no longer with us. But Joseph insisted, as I said, you are spies. This is how I will test your story. I swear by the life of Pharaoh that you will never leave Egypt unless your youngest brother comes here. One of you must go and get your brother. I'll keep the rest of you here in prison. Then we'll find out whether or not your story is true. By the life of Pharaoh, if it turns out that you don't have a younger brother, then I'll know you are spies. So Joseph put them all in prison for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, I am a God-fearing man. If you do as I say, you will live. If you really are honest men, choose one of your brothers to remain in prison. The rest of you may go home with grain for your starving families, but you must bring your youngest brother back to me. This will prove that you are telling the truth, and you will not die. To this they agreed. Speaking among themselves, they said, Clearly we are being punished because of what we did to Joseph long ago. We saw his anguish when he pleaded for his life, but we, we wouldn't listen. That's why we're in this trouble. Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? Reuben asked. But you wouldn't listen, and now we have to answer for his blood. Of course, they didn't know that Joseph understood them, for he had been speaking to them through an interpreter. Now he turned away from them and began to weep. When he regained his composure, he spoke to them again. Then he chose Simeon from among them and had him tied up right before their eyes. Joseph then ordered his servants to fill the men's sacks with grain, but he also gave secret instructions to return each brother's payment at the top of his sack. He also gave them supplies for their journey home. So the brothers loaded their donkeys with the grain and headed for home. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, this uh, story he just read is a picture of the relationship Joseph has with his brothers. And I think if there's one word that we can probably put on this whole passage is complicated. You know what I mean? It's just complicated. I mean, you have this history of, of uh, jealousy and resentment and favoritism and um, superiority and anger and pride and ego. And all of that is in this story um, fears are in this story, insecurities, all those things. Um, <clears throat> you see that. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Um, if people looked at the way you talk to others, if people looked at the way uh, you, 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 uh, you worked with others, the way you did life with others, uh, if they heard your words as you talked to others, they saw the way you served or didn't serve, whatever, would they get a clear picture of who God is? The way you deal with people, does that accurately, is that a reflection of the God of love, the God of grace, the God of mercy? Would they be convinced that you have been irreversibly changed, impacted by the love of God? Because they see the way you talk to other people at work. And how about at home? Would your spouse be completely convinced that you know God? Would your children be convinced that you know God? With the way you live, are, are, is, there a, is there clear evidence? Uh, Jesus said, 
Jesus said, they, they will know you, you are Christians. They will know you are mine by your love. I mean, he said that's, that's one of the signs. I mean, First John talks about this. One of the signs of someone who had a collision with God is the way they love. The way they love. And this story that Pastor Jeremy, as, as he was reading, and I was thinking about that, and I, I was thinking, you know, when people visit Thorn Creek, that's one of the things they, they're always looking for. You know, there, there's two things people look for in a church. And this is good for you to know. First of all, um, they make a decision on whether or not to come back within the first seven minutes of visiting the church. Did you know that? Seven minutes. When they get out of their car, in the first seven minutes, before they even heard the message, they're making a decision on whether or not this church is for them. And you know, the two questions they ask is, uh, can this church meet my needs? And the other question that people ask is, is there anyone else here like me? And just so you, this is good information for you to know. So when people come to church, they, 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 there's a whole story behind them. And a lot of their lives are complicated. It's just complicated. And they're looking for love. They're, they're looking for it, and, and they're looking for God, and, and they're looking for answers, and, and maybe their problems have brought us to this, to this, uh, to this place. Um, when you see this story of um, Joseph meeting his brothers, and, and, and it's a, you know, the story shows up, you know, Joseph, you know, one day his brothers show up, and his brothers didn't recognize him, and I want to I ask you a question. Um, do you believe God can change any heart. I mean, do you really believe that? God can change any heart. I believe that. I mean, I wouldn't be standing up here. I have a hope. And that's what we see that here. In fact, in our, in our halls over here at church, you read all those God stories. Those are stories of transformation. You should read them. You should read them. And people are going through hard times and their stories. So I wholeheartedly believe God can change any heart. And here's the follow-up question. Do you have enough of the grace of God that accommodates growth in others? And what I mean by that is when you look at someone, do you have enough of the grace of God to believe that, you know what? Maybe they did have an impact with God. Maybe they are changed. Or do you see someone and all you do is you hold them back in your memory bank and you, you think, oh, no, 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 no. I know who they really are. They haven't changed. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? You know, I'm glad God, um, his, he is grace. <laughs> I'm glad when he looks at us, he doesn't just think about our worst moment. That night, that time we were, you know, binging on videos that we shouldn't have binged on, or that time when we were, you know, in downtown, and that time we were at that strip joint, or that time we were at that bar, or that time we were hanging out, or that time when we were in a dark moment. I'm grateful we have a God full of grace and mercy that loves us so much that he sees who we could be in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. He sees us at our best. He sees a potential in us. He knows who we are when we're set free. Glory to God from all of those vices of the devil. He sees who we are when we're set free and we embrace his love and grace and mercy. He sees us when, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom, right, church? Say freedom with me. Freedom. There's, there's freedom. And I believe God looks at us that way. I believe God looks at us, and I don't think, I think he's a God who doesn't give up. I think he's a God who doesn't give up. And, and I think it's important for us, when we look at other people, we should hope for the best. Pray for them. 
there's someone who's just under your skin, pray for them. If there's someone who's hurt you, pray for them. It's so hard to be angry at someone you pray for. It's just hard. Pray for them. Pray for them. Because it matters to God how you manage your relationships. Don't, don't, be, don't be one of those people that say, oh, I love God and I worship him and I, yeah, I'm a Christian. And you know what? There's no evidence in your life from others that you love God. Because you don't get involved. You don't commit. You don't serve. You don't love like that. You're okay with a little five-minute burst, but you do not get knee-deep in any relationship. You do not get knee-deep in serving. You stay away from all that stuff, and you proudly call yourself a Christian. You're only obeying half of the commandments. I'm so grateful God sent his son, aren't you? Aren't you grateful God sent his son? I mean, think about it this way. God could have like, like just sent us his word and, and sent it a transcript of how much he loves us and never sent his son. He could have just put it all on paper and said, here, I'm going to tell you how much I love you and you can read about my love and I'm going to send it to you and we can be like, you want to know God's love? Well, just read about it. We can just read it. No, 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 no. God wanted you to experience his love. So he sent his only son, Jesus, into this world. I'm grateful for that. And I, want to, I want you to rethink about your relationships and how you, how, you, how, you, how, you, uh, how you manage them. When you look at the relationship Joseph has with his brothers, um, first of all, his brothers don't, don't see him. For, uh, and, and maybe it's the costume, I don't know, with the way he was dressed and whatever it is. But in chapters 42 and through chapters 50, Joseph... Uh, he has like these character tests with his brothers. I mean, he starts off by saying, hey, uh, I, I don't know you. And then, and then he, he has these little accusations. He, he accuses them of being spies. What's that about? You're spies. You know, Joseph knows what's, what's going on. And he, he tells him to go get his younger brother. And then he puts him in prison for three days. And then he gives them food. And then he returns their money without them knowing. And they find it later. Then there's this whole silver cup thing involved where he puts it in the younger, in the younger brother Benjamin's sack. And, and they're just, they don't, they don't know what's happening. But I think, I think Joseph was working through his own emotions in the midst of all this. I think he was working through maybe some little bit of battle of flesh and spirit. And I think he was working through his own emotions of forgiveness. And I, I think he also wanted to see if his brothers were changed, if his brothers were different, if his brothers had a different mentality. And I think it had to do was is he wanted to know, are his brothers genuinely changed? Are they transformed? Do they recognize what they did to him was wrong? I'm going to read you 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says this. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow brings repentance. Repentance could be defined as a change of heart that leads to a change in the direction of life. So godly sorrow, this is when the Spirit of God speaks to you and speaks to you about something you said or did or whatever. And the Spirit of God speaks to you. God's spirit always draws you to this place of repentance, this place of humility, this place where you humble yourself and you say, God, I need you. That's good. That's healthy. That's a good thing. Um, worldly sorrow is not like that. Worldly sorrow is you just have guilt and shame and you feel discouraged. And that's it. It doesn't take you anywhere except to a dark place. But godly sorrow is always drawing you to God. Always drawing you to God. And I want you to know, people who change 
authentically change, they always include, there's always repentance involved. There's always repentance involved. <coughs> always repentance. Um, in fact, have you ever tried to rebuild a relationship with someone who hasn't repented? Like when they say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's that woman who's been abused by the man and he says, I'm sorry, I'm a terrible, won't happen again. I'm sorry. Or that, 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 that woman who's abused a man and she says, I'm sorry, I got, I'm sorry. I don't know why I do this and I'm sorry and I'll be different. I, you know, it's that friend who's sorry about, you know, betraying you. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. Or that coworker that said, I'm sorry, I didn't stand up for you. I should have said something. I should have given you credit for that job too. And I did, I'm sorry. And, you know, that's that, that, it's that guy who's saying, you know what, I won't lie anymore. I'm sorry. I, I'm not, I lied and I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know. Or, or that, that, that kid that's hiding drugs. I'm sorry. I hid my drugs. Or I shouldn't have done that. And I lied to you. But, you know, it's that, it's that, I'm sorry takes you, takes you uh, so far. But, um, but I want to say this. I'm sorry helps. But transformation heals. Right? Would you rather hear I'm sorry or would you rather see transformation? I want to see transformation. I'm sorry if it was great. I mean, that's a good thing. But you know what I want to see? I want to see a change of heart. Because I don't want I'm sorry. And then, and then you just turn around and hurt me again in a week or a month or whatever. I want to I wanna, see I'm sorry, but I want to see transformation. And I think De, uh, Josh, uh, uh, Joseph, I think he was wondering, are these guys really different? And I think also in this story, as you look at the story of the brothers and Joseph, they're wondering, is Joseph really different? All the way to chapter 50, they're wondering, is he really different? Um, here's, here's how you know if someone's really repented. Um, you know it's real when they no longer blame others. It's not the fault of parents, friends, or circumstances. They simply have an increasing desire to be right in the eyes of God. That's when it's real. That's, there's humility behind that. Because someone who hasn't repented, they'll blame their dog and their cat and their brother and their ex and their sister and the farmer. They'll blame their coworker. They'll blame everyone. But, but, but it all starts when you start looking at yourself. And you say, God, I need you to do work inside of my own heart. Because that's when you recognize there's a problem and it's inside. If you don't recognize the problem right here, then there won't be anything to fix. There won't be any prayer. If you don't recognize there's a pride issue, then guess what? There's not going to be any transformation either. If you don't recognize that, that there's an ego issue, if you don't recognize that there's a spirit of lust, if you don't recognize there's a spirit of it, whatever it is, if you don't start right here, then you will not experience transformation. You just won't. It always starts with humbling yourself before the Lord. It always starts with crying out to God. That's where it starts. And, and verse 18, uh, uh, Joseph says, I'm a God-fearing man. I'm a God-fearing man. Uh, would, would you men say that about yourself? I'm a God-fearing man. What does that mean? I think for Joseph, it means a lot of things. One of the things it means for Joseph is he recognizes that there's an all-seeing God. There's an all-knowing God. I mean, there's a God who has watched him. There is a God who has seen everything he has done. There's a God who knows his thoughts. There's a God who has been with him. 
And even when he was in jail, even when he was betrayed by his brothers, even when he was falsely accused, and, and God, he's just aware that God has seen everything. I think that's healthy. It's, it's a good thing for you to be aware that, you know what, God, he sees you. He has seen your thoughts. He knows your thoughts. He sees the way you handle that relationship. He sees the way you deal with people. He's, it's just this awareness that God is, sees everything. And it's important because Joseph still has memories. I think Joseph has a memory of the day when his dad gave him this beautiful coat. And he was excited about it. And he turned and showed his brothers. And they weren't excited about it. <laughs> I think Joseph has a memory of looking at their faces. I think Joseph has a memory of remembering the day when they started looking at him with resentment and jealousy. You know, you can see resentment and jealousy in eyes. The eyes are a window to the soul. You want to know about what someone looks like? Just look at their eyes. It's a window to the soul. I think, I think Joseph has a memory of that day when he was walking out to meet his brothers out in the field. And they were so full of anger and they threw him in this pit. I just believe he has a memory of being at the bottom of this pit and looking up crying out to his brothers saying, get me out, get me out. I think he has a memory of that. I think he has a memory of, of being thrown on the back of this, I want to say a pickup truck, but it probably wasn't a pickup truck, but this, but this wagon or whatever it is, uh, these traders, these Midianite traders that were on their way to Egypt. I think he has a memory of being in the back of that truck and looking at his brothers. And I, I think they got smaller and smaller as he, as he rode away with these traders into Egypt. I think he has a memory of that. And I think, I think he has some hurt with that. I think there's some, some emotions he had to work through with all of that stuff. And I want you to hear this. Your memory can incubate a painful moment. Your memory. We remember moments. That's what we remember. We, especially when moments are connected with our emotions. When there's a painful emotion that we feel, we remember the moment. When there's a joyful emotion, we remember the moment. The day my son and daughter were born. The day I came to know Jesus. But I also have other painful moments related to um, arguments or conflict or fights or whatever it was. And uh, you know what I'm talking about? Or times when you were abused or, or you were hurt uh, sexually, verbally, whatever, emotionally, and you remember that moment. And, and you have to be careful because those painful moments can, 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 can live in your memory and it can be incubated and it could stay there. And, and, and all of a sudden you don't realize it, but those memories are, are part of your life, and they're just kind of, they're kind of there. And, and that's why uh, sometimes when in painful relationships, you, you, uh, you have a memory with someone, and you just have a hard time looking at their Instagram posts. You just have a hard time looking at their Facebook or something like that, so you block them or hide them or whatever it is, because you look at them, and you're like, I can't stand looking at them. I can't stand, or, or you remember their words, or you see their face, or every time that song comes on, you think about that moment, you think about that memory and that kind of thing, and then there's these other things that happen with all this stuff, and there's triggers. Triggers are born. Every time you feel overlooked, you have that memory. Every time you feel unloved, you have that memory. 
Every time you feel insecure, you have that memory. Every time you feel afraid, every time you feel stressed, every time you're, you have that memory. So you have to be mindful of the memory. Um, and, and I wanted to say for you to move on, you need to remember different. Some of you, need, this needs to be your prayer. God, cleanse my memory. Cleanse my memory. Cleanse my memory. Cleanse my memory. Good coughs are awesome, guys. I'm just telling you, it's so great to have a good cough. Cleanse my memory. Check this out, guys. I want you to think about this because you have Joseph's brothers, and they're coming and they're meeting Joseph, but there has to be transformation in someone. And for reconciliation to happen, it starts in one heart. For reconciliation to happen, it starts in one heart. There may be two parties, but true reconciliation starts when someone looks at themselves and says, God, do a work in me. Just keep that in mind. It always starts with one person, typically one person. Um, before before Joseph's uh, brother showed up, um, this is in chapter 41. Joseph had kids in Egypt while he was there. During the famine, when it was just starting off, he was continuing on with his life. He didn't know when or if he would ever see his brothers again. Probably wasn't thinking much about it. But before they showed up and asked for any uh, resources, um, he had kids. Uh, chapter 41, verse 50 says, During this time, before the first of the famine years, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife, Aseneth, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On. And, and Joseph named his older son Manasseh. Manessa. Can you say Manasseh with me? Manessa. Manessa. For he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Wow. We talked about a memory. How God cleanses memories. Because memories affect our relationships. Um, Manasseh. Uh, the name Manasseh means making to forget. Joseph names his older son Manasseh, because God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Wow. This is a shouting moment right here, guys. Do you feel this? God is so good. He's so loving. He works in your memory. He can speak to you in your memory. He can speak to you. He can refine those times of hurt and pain. Even those times where you weren't at your best, God can work back there. And God works in the heart of Joseph. And he says, he moved in him in such a way in his memories. As he says, I'm going to name my son Manasseh, which means he helps me forget. Because God has helped me forget all my troubles. God has helped me forget the way my brothers treated me. God has helped me forget that pain and that hurt. And God has helped me forget all of that. And God has cleansed my memory and he's cleansed my heart. And I'm just a different person. I know what's there. It's part of my story, but it's not incubated in my memory anymore. He has helped me forget. Isn't that a good, good word? And check this out, guys. Joseph names his son Manasseh because God has helped him forget all of his troubles. And guess what happens? Just a year later after that, who shows up at his doorstep? His brothers. You see that? Isn't that good? God works in us first. He works in us. I mean, God, you are the project right now. 
God's working in your heart. You are the project, and God wants to do a work inside of you. And the work that he wants to do inside of you is in preparation for something that's going to come, and you need to be ready right now. You need to be at a certain place right now in your own soul and your mind and your heart and your memories. You need to be at a place right now because what God has for you requires transformation. Glory to God. So you don't know what's going to happen in the future. God knows what's going to happen. Joseph had no clue that what he was, God was doing in his own heart, this idea of God helping him forget his troubles, God was preparing the soil. He was preparing the heart of Joseph because in a matter of time, his brothers would be showing up. What would have happened if Joseph wasn't transformed? He would have responded completely different with his brothers. He wouldn't have responded with maturity. Don't worry. This is not your fault. This was all God's will. Don't be angry at yourself. This is all God's will. No, 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 no. If he was not transformed, he would have responded with immaturity. Aha! All you guys are going in jail now. I'm going to make you suffer just like I have. You're going to stay. I was 12 years in jail. You're going to sit in there. I'll give you some food little by little and, you know, whatever it is, you know, the, the mind is deceitful and tormented and all. You never know. But he responded with maturity. He responded like someone who's been transformed by the grace of God. You hear that? So what's happening even right now in church, God is preparing you for what is about to come. Oh, I'm, I'm dropping something here, guys. I hope you pick it up. God is preparing your heart. The question is, are you going to allow God to change your heart today? Are you going to allow God? And, 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 and if you take another step forward, what God is doing inside of you right now is going to benefit others. It's going gonna, it's gonna to benefit other people that you don't even know, maybe. That you may not even know. But God wants to change your heart. Manessa, make you to forget. And think about this. The fulfillment of the dream was on the other side of forgiveness. I, I think a lot of times we confuse uh, forgiveness with reconciliation. Forgiveness um, certainly is part of reconciliation. But I want to say this also. Um, you can forgive someone and not trust them. And that's, that's okay. Because there are certain people that that are just not where they need to be at. I mean, no other way. They, they're just, you know, you know who they are. And Jesus made that clear. He knew the heart of man. And, and John chapter two, you know, he, he wouldn't commit to people. I and mean, he loved them to the cross, but he knew the heart of man. And you can forgive someone and not trust them. But you need to manage your own heart. You can't manage their heart. You can only manage your heart, right? So stop trying to change their heart. Stop trying to control them. Just focus on your own heart. Let God work inside of yourself. Let God cleanse your own memory. Let God work in your own heart. Let God do his thing. And you humble yourself before God. Let him work in your heart. And there's times where you can forgive someone and not trust them. And I have relationships like that. I can, I can be with certain people in the room and, and I, can, I can tell them I love them, which is all true. And I can do all that, but I know who they are also. And I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that. Jacob dies. Jacob dies. This is daddy Jacob. And scripture says, after burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and 
all who had accompanied him with his father's funeral. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So when, when Jacob dies, daddy Jacob, the brothers, and these are the 10 brothers, you know, minus Benjamin. These are the 10 brothers who think, you know what? Now that dad is dead, Joseph is going to take it out on us now. He's been holding back. And I want you to know there's two different kinds, two different understandings of kindness and grace happening here. Joseph, this is the way they live. And you know the way they operate? Nothing's free. And you know what? If you're kind to me, it's because you want something. It's called conditional love. It's conditional. And that's, you know what? That's how they give love. I'll be kind to you if you scratch my back. I'll be, I'll be loving to you if you do this for me. Oh, but the minute you cross me, we're done. It's conditional. And that's the way the 10 brothers love. Joseph walks to a different beat. He's been changed by God. He's been changed by God. They think, oh, now that daddy Jacob is dead, Joseph's going to change the way he shows grace and kindness to us. He was only faking it. He was only going through the motions because dad was around. He wanted to show off for dad. He wanted to please dad. But now that dad's gone and Joseph, they don't understand. Joseph has been changed. Joseph has been changed. I want to read verse 19. It says, Joseph said, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. That's what Joseph did. Isn't that cool? It's so cool when you, know, when you allow God to work in your heart and you say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live a life of truth because I'm a God-fearing man. I'm a God-fearing woman. When you choose to live like that, you never have to remember the last thing you said. You can just live in this place of truth before the Lord. It's so incredibly freeing, guys. It's beautiful. But I want you to see Joseph. He, uh, he, he tells them, look, I'm going to take care of you. And this is all God's will. You didn't get this. I already told you earlier that God, you know, this is all, don't be angry at yourself. And, and you still are thinking that I'm have conditional love. And, and, and Joseph shows kindness to them. And the 11 brothers and their families, they moved to this place called Goshen. Think of Goshen as like a suburban area of Egypt. <laughs> and that's where they moved to the uh, su sub suburb called Goshen. Uh, that's the name of it. It's not Cherrywood Park. It's Goshen. And so they moved to Goshen and, and there's a total of about 70, seven zero family members that moved to Goshen out of Joseph's grace and kindness because he's been changed. Guess what happens? A number of years goes by as these, this family lives in Goshen. 430 years, 430, they live in Goshen. And that family of 70 grow to a nation of 600,000. 600,000 Israelites. 
And these brothers, who incidentally are the 12 tribes of Israel, that's a whole other message. Um, these brothers right here, it all starts. And they move to Goshen, and they grow in Goshen. They become a nation known as Israel. And think about this. It all happened on the back of grace and mercy and forgiveness. Isn't that beautiful? Only God does that. It all happened on the back of grace and and mercy and forgiveness and Israel becomes a nation in Goshen. Glory to God. I, I you know, Lord showed me that and it gave me a new perspective of Israel. And I thought, what if Joseph didn't forgive? What if he didn't forgive? What if he didn't forgive? And that's another, another thing to think about is, is your act of grace there's some spiritual consequences that happen in your own heart. But I want you to hear this. Your act of grace impacts others as well. Your forgiveness impacts others as well. You hear that? It's not just you. Because God's a redeeming, reconciling God. And when you show grace, like Joseph did, it didn't only impact 70 family members, it certainly did, but even more than that, 600,000 were born. That's, that's, so you never know how God is going to use you when you humble yourself and you say, God, you do your thing inside of me and you love others and then you forgive. And again, you can forgive someone and I trust them. I understand that. And I get that. That's healthy at times. But uh, I want you to see the power of forgiveness, the power of grace. You have a God who loves. And I want to finish off, guys, with this, with this beautiful passage of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Wow, do you believe that? All of you, when I asked, can God change a life? Most of you said, yeah, you believe that, right? And this verse right here says, if anybody turns to Jesus, that old person is gone. The way they used to be is gone. The way they used to respond and what they used to say and the way they used to talk and they were self-centered and all that stuff, it's gone. If anybody truly turns to Jesus, truly, absolutely, just irreversibly and, and surrenders their life to Jesus and says, Jesus, take over my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Take over the steering wheel of my heart. You truly turn to Jesus, you will be changed. And the old is gone, and the new has come. You're a brand new person, glory to God. Aren't you grateful that God is in the business of changing lives? Aren't you grateful God has changed your life? Those of you who call yourself a Christian, aren't you grateful for that? The new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Did you see that? Who reconciled us to himself through Christ, that's the cross, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God is the ultimate reconciler. He reconciled all of humanity, glory to God, all at the cross. It's a ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. I'll think about that. 
when you turn to Jesus and you say, God, forgive me for my sins. And God, by his grace and mercy, he sees your genuine heart and he forgives you. You know, when he forgives, scripture says that he remembers your sin no more. Scripture says he puts your sin underneath his feet. Scripture says he buries it in the deepest ocean. But check it out. It's not even on your record. It's not even on your record. It's not even on your record. It's not like on that report that says you got in an accident seven years ago or you, you stole 10 years ago or you, whatever. It's not even on your record. When he looks at your record, it's just clean. There's nothing there. He doesn't hold it against you. He doesn't hold it against you. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Bible scholars would say Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. That's who Joseph is. He's a type of Jesus Christ. That's what he is. So I want to encourage you. I want to just ask you, what does your relationship look like with God right now? What does it look like? God wants to do a work inside of you. You need to let God do a work inside of you like God did with Joseph. Some of you need to say, God, cleanse my memory. I want to, I mean, so you want to lose weight in 2023? This is spiritual weight. Don't carry any grudges with you into 2023. Say, God, cleanse my memory. I don't want to intubate anything within me that shouldn't be there. Cleanse my memory. Change my heart. I repent. I turn to you with all of my heart, God. Give me a new life. Some of you need to say, give me that new life. The new has come and the old is gone. Give me that new life, God. I want to be that new person in you, Jesus. And I want to explore what that looks like. I want to, I want to live out that life. I want to live that life. And that's the life God has for you in 2023. That's the life God wants to give you in 2023. That's the sweet life right there, baby. That's it right there. God loves you and God cares about you. He doesn't want you to carry any weight. He wants you to experience the freedom that comes with his Holy Spirit living inside of you. I think I'm done preaching, guys. Uh, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to turn to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to, I don't want you to change your kid's name to Manessa, but uh, I want to give you an opportunity to say, God, I want you to do work inside of me and I want you to work in my memory. I want to give you an opportunity to say, God, I want to, I want to love people the way you love me. Is that cool? Would that be your prayer? Would that be your prayer? God, thank you for your grace and love. Ask you, Lord, to just have your way here. Thank you for your sweet spirit in this nine o'clock service. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for using me by your grace. Thank you, God, for this incredible story. Continue to have your way here, Lord. Continue to have your way here, Lord. If you're ready to receive Jesus, <clears throat> say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I ask you to get behind the steering wheel of my life and be my Lord of my past and present and future. I want to have a new life with you. I want to say the old is gone and the new has come. Others of you, maybe you call yourself a Christian, but maybe you need to say, God, help me to love others as you have loved me. And I pray in 2023, I'm a better lover.
Maybe you need to say, God, cleanse my memory. Maybe that needs to be your prayer. Cleanse my memory, God. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. Thank you for the snow and the sunshine. Thank you for your grace, your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you for church. I pray you just speak to every heart. I pray you bless every home. I pray that they have, everyone has a good week this week. I pray for good sleep this week. And I pray that everyone draws closer to you this week. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray all this. Amen.